It's going to get there. He turned 32 yesterday. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Richard Rodgers with a walk-off touchdown. Foster. Nine seconds for the win. Oh! 
players of the past being only 20 years old. I was not able to watch Michael Jordan or Will Chamberlain or Bill Russell. So it's kind of hard for me to make this distinction, and I don't think I'm really qualified to make that call. I mean, I was looking at, at stats um, for all these greatest players of all time. There was one season where Will Chamberlain averaged 50 points. Like, the game was just a totally different game back then. I can't imagine any player averaging 50 points in today's game. It's just absurd to me that that was even a thing. And so he's got to be up there in the conversation. But, you know, I never saw him play. And then... Um, Everybody talks about Michael Jordan, 6-0 in the finals. He's a great player, too. Got to watch the uh, the last dance this summer, which was nice over quarantine. And that was honestly the most insight I've ever seen into Michael Jordan, which is really great. But I still don't feel like I'm qualified to uh, speak on it. However, I will say that LeBron James is the greatest player that I've ever seen play basketball uh, during my time of... Uh, being a fan of the game and I will point out that if you look at the career uh, value over replacement for both Michael Jordan and LeBron James LeBron James has a greater average VORP or uh, value over replacement player than Michael Jordan did for his career and LeBron has had a longer career and in his 17th season is still winning NBA Finals and still winning NBA Finals MVPs. So if you're looking at the stats, at that one particular stat, it gives LeBron the edge over Jordan, but I can't really give a definitive answer on how I think about the GOAT. What do you think, Isaiah? Yeah, and uh, our, our regular listeners also know this, that, you know, I, I that's obviously, I think it's a fair uh, argument that, you know, you never actually saw them play, so you can't make a determination, but... For me, I, I, I like to look at the stats on this, and, and I, I really do think it is clear and convincing. And again, it is obviously a different... It, the game has evolved over the last century, um, and, you know, it, it's... I, I just think it's too convincing. I mean, LeBron leads for postseason post stats all time. LeBron leads in points. He's second in assists, first in steals, second in three-pointers made. He's now won... I mean, I mean, he's won his fourth title now, and I think the main argument about Jordan is the six and zero thing. I mean, obviously he's a great player, but I think it's that six and zero in the finals that really gets people, you know, to talk about him still being better than LeBron. I think people want to see, I don't know, LeBron maybe match six or or the fact that LeBron's lost some finals and MJ hasn't. But for me, what I see is LeBron was in his what was that tenth finals. I mean. Yeah, he's, he's made final. Yeah, and he's so. I mean, to me, that all I hear is he's made ten conference finals and won them. So even though he hasn't won, he's a, made more a, than ten conference. Well, actually, I don't. I'm not sure if if he's ever made the conference finals and lost. I'd assume that he has. Probably, probably early on. Probably early on when he was at the Cavs. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so to me, I I I know the that MJ. I think they lost maybe two conference finals before uh, their run of six titles. But still, I, I just th- I just see LeBron as being in the finals more and having, you know, a lot of these teams, he just had nobody around him. And, I mean, I, I guess, like, I think some of those Heat teams were really good and they were pretty stacked. But ever since then, I mean, until he got AD, 
Yeah, it's just kind of been on him, and he's made the finals almost every single year. Well, almost single handedly. With the Cavs in the early part, of the Cavs, he did have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, Kevin Love was kind of injury prone, and then um, Kyrie departed for Boston. I think um, that one year when, I think his last year in Cleveland, when he really put the team on his back that's when he beat uh the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals that was an unbelievable year for him and that's a year really 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 had to do it all by himself but yeah, yeah I mean I understand what you're saying about um breaking the 6-0 and argument I think the 6-0 and argument is a fair argument um it's incredibly impressive that Jordan was able to make it to six and to win all six um but I think it's also fair to point out that LeBron was to eight straight NBA Finals before last year. He was when he got hurt, and now he came back again the year after he got hurt right. in his seventeenth season. It's unbelievable, and I think that you, you know you can't really take away from him that he's gotten there. Like, right. what would you rather? Would you rather him him have gone to only four and and win? Four and be four and zero. No, that's silly. You know, it's amazing that he's been to ten, and he just hasn't always had the pieces. There were some instances where he should have won, and he should have more. Uh, you know, they probably should have beat uh, Dirk Nowitzki in the Dallas Mavericks. Yep. Um, those Warrior matchups were tough. Uh, San Antonio, they beat once and lost two once, and the time that they won, it was because of that prayer shot by Ray Allen at the buzzer to mm-hmm. uh, uh, tie up the game. Yep. So he's been on the short end sometimes, and he's gotten lucky sometimes. So it all balances out, but definitely an incredibly impressive uh, career, and I don't think anybody questions that he's certainly on the Mount Rushmore of NBA players all time. Yeah, and yeah, I just really don't like the fact that if you argue that MJ is – you know the greater player because he's six and zero versus LeBron being four and six. I just I really don't like the fact that that discounts the fact that you LeBron led his team to being the best in their conference ten times. Like that's super impressive. And just because like obviously winning going on and winning the championship is really important, but still I mean the fact that you're you're discounting like all these great seasons where they were the best team and they made a finals and they ended up losing to another great team, but like. They still had all these accomplishments. Like you're kind of just throwing that away if you're saying like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like he didn't win the finals, so he's not as good. So I don't know. Especially now that he's won his fourth, I really think he's the greatest of all time. I already kind of I already thought that before, but now I I just I don't know. It, it's just clear and convincing to me. So, but kind of uh, moving on a little bit. Just uh, another question about LeBron, though. Who would you say? Over his career, who do you think LeBron's best teammate has been? It's got to be Anthony Davis. Um, Anthony Davis, the the season he had this year um, was better than if you look at uh, Dwayne Wade's averages while he played with LeBron. It's got to be AD. Yeah, it's it's tough for me. I. Thinking about this question, I was I was thinking, you know, AD, I, I don't want to put him as his best teammate yet. 
they've only played together for one season, and they were they're obviously two of the greatest players in the league right now. But they kind of they kind of played their own game. I mean, it, it seemed like a lot of the time, like it was one or the other that was kind of running the offense on that possession. That's fair. And so we're talking about like teammates that he played the best with that were also really good. I was thinking Dwayne Wade. I, like their chemistry on the What's court. What's a different question? Yeah, it's, but it all kind of fits in though. It, well, like, cause he, I, I, like, it, and it's also tough to compare Dwayne Wade to Anthony Davis in terms of just as players. They're very different positions, very different roles on their teams. But, but still, I, I think, in terms of his, yeah, it, it is tough. I like, I want to say AD because he is so good, but they have only been together one season, and and he's still young. Like, AD could potentially fall off. Like Dwayne Wade had a consistently really no, good career. That, no, no, no. But we're talking about Dwayne Wade, his four years with LeBron versus Anthony Davis's one year of LeBron so far. Yeah, I think it's too early. I just think it's too early to, to no, no, say Anthony Davis. It's not too early because the, you do have a small sample size, but this is the sample size you're given so far. If next year Anthony Davis bombs and he has a, a crap season, then you could come and say it's Dwayne Wade. But you're talking about the chemistry. I would agree with you with the chemistry. I think LeBron and Wade, by far, out of any of his running mates, they had the best chemistry. I mean, I remember that's what made me fall in love with the game of basketball, watching mm-hmm. uh, them throw alley-oops to each other and running down the court and LeBron on the fast break and jumping over people and alley-oop dunking. And that was awesome basketball to watch. And that chemistry was unbelievable. But my point, I'm not talking about the chemistry. I'm talking about the individual player. If you take 2019-2020 Anthony Davis and you put him on a team of all average players and you take whatever the average version of Dwayne Wade is over those four seasons in Miami with LeBron and you put him on that same team with, with the average players, the team with Anthony Davis is going to do better than the team with Dwayne Wade. That's my point. He's a more valuable player. I just have a tough time, though. I just think he's it's, he's too young. I mean, he's been in the year, league, I guess, like, what, five or six years now at least? But, like, I don't know how long. Do you know how long he's been on in the league for, at the top of your head? AD? Yeah. I think, like, seven or eight. Oh, seven or eight. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't know. It just, eight. it okay, eight seasons. I just still think it's too early, though. I, I don't know if I can, like, I Dwayne Wade is a, was a really good player, and... Yes, like it is a different argument, like how well they played with each other, but I, I don't know if I can put AD at number one right now, and and also I, we're kind of forgetting about Kyrie no, too. No, no, kind of forget about Kyrie don't too. Don't do that. No, <laughs> I was tempted. I was tempted. Oh my gosh, I, it's that's hard. Those are the top three. Those that's are the top har- three. Can, would you deny that? Who else would be? Of course, that's the top three. Chris but- Bosh. No, I think Kyrie. I think <laughs> Kevin Love. But you can't really talk about J.R. Those... Smith. <laughs> That's funny. Um, no, man. Kyrie, no, no, no. It's, <laughs> it's uh, LeBron with AD and LeBron with Wade, and then Kyrie comes under. But what they did in 2016, though, I mean, that was, like, I, I will never forget. Like, Kyrie, it seems like we just haven't seen Kyrie enough in the last, like, two years. Like, I mean, you know, with the trade and the injury and all that. We're kind of forgetting he's a a pretty elite player 
I have a hard time with it because he's he's right up there with AD and Dwayne Wade. No. Yes, he is. And, and no. we'll see it this season, too, when he's back, finally. Well, you're going to see this season is him <laughs> being a drama queen. Well, I'm not saying Nets. he won't. And he's going he's gonna to ruin whatever opportunities they have because he's a cancer to teams. With the exception of, of the win in 2016, and that was only because he had LeBron there to keep him in check. He hit the shot, though. That that three in game seven, right? He the hit the shot. shot. He was, yeah. I mean, but he was a he's a clutch player, and he, I mean, he has elite talent. And Did I'm he? sorry, he does cause drama. I'm I'm not. I will never say he doesn't. He is very dramatic. I wouldn't say he's a cancer to teams, though. I think he's a boost. How? If if I was an NBA owner, I would love to have him on my team. I don't care how look the drama. If he you're causes. looking at, at like Put base value, if you're looking at him as being a skillful player and an elite player, and maybe even a superstar. Yes, I'd love to have him on, on my team. But you have to look at this guy's track record. This is a guy that was on the Celtics last year, and you would think, okay, you have Kyrie Irving, you have Jason Tatum, you have Jalen Brown, and you have Al Horford. You'd think, ooh, that's going to be a good team. They did not live up to expectations. Then this year you swap out Kyrie Irving for Kemba Walker, which I think most people would say that Kyrie Irving is a better player than Kemba Walker. So you bring in somebody that is... Kemba's pretty good too, but yeah. yeah. Kemba's pretty good too, but I'm assuming that most people are going to say that Kyrie is better than Kemba. No disrespect to Kemba. Kemba was a better fit for this team because he's more of a team player and he was able to let players like Jason Tatum and um, Jalen Brown grow and form into, I mean, Jason Tatum became an all-star. but you, So you take that's that switch out, and then you lose Al Horford, but yet you play better as a team. It was a better team. You made the Eastern Conference Finals than when you had Kyrie. How was he not a cancer? And this guy, we were talking about it last, I mean, the FM viewers uh, on listening right now to Sports Saturday uh, weren't there to listen, or at least most of you weren't able to listen, but we were talking about how... He just called out LeBron James and and basically said that he didn't believe that he was able to make clutch shots like Kevin mm-hmm. Durant can. He said something to the extent of, oh, now that I'm playing with Kevin Durant, I, I finally feel that I have somebody, a teammate, that I could pass the ball to in crunch time and he could get a bucket just like I can. Saying Basically saying that he could get better buckets than LeBron James can in crunch time. And if you look at the stats, it's off. We talked about it last week. It's far off. Yep. LeBron James has much better stats in crunch time in the playoffs and whatever than Kyrie has ever had. The guy is crazy. He's crazy. Yeah, no, I – yeah, I mean, I was totally – I was in agreement with that. Like, that was a pretty just crazy thing for him to say. And he does cause drama. I, mean, I will not deny that. But, again, back to the original argument when we're just looking at skill, their their ability as a basketball player – I'm not saying he's number one that LeBron's been with, but he's definitely top three. I mean, and and you would say that too, but like, I, but to me, it's like a very close top three among all of them. Whereas you, I don't, I don't think you think quite the same. But I don't. I will know. see that. We'll, we'll just watch some Nets basketball this year. Kyrie and Katie. I think we'll, we'll we'll get to this. I think a little bit later. We'll talk about the Nets a little bit more in depth. But I I believe in Kyrie I and think, Katie. I think I'm gonna get a lot of texts from angry fans. <laughs> That are upset about your take about 
Kyrie being in that conversation. I'm letting you know right now. How is he not in that conversation, I'll, though? Well, wait. I'll get the text, and then we'll talk about it okay. later. I know they're going to come in because people are going to be upset with what you're saying on the air right now. I, I think it's fair to have him in the conversation. And AD, I, I just can't put him at number one right now. It, you might call me crazy. Like, he's, he has definitely, like, progressed so much just the last couple of years in terms of, like, his shooting and just becoming an all-around player. So he could definitely get to that point. Right now, though, I still, like, Dwayne Wade, Hall of Fame career, like, I just, as, as from what we have right now, I'm just going to go with Dwayne Wade just by a little bit. All right, all right. All right, what do you want to get into next? Um, yeah, let's just kind of... Um, you know, uh, expanding just a little bit more about the Lakers. Uh, what do you think the biggest obstacle for next year in terms of uh, repeat at the championship? What, what's the biggest obstacle for the Lakers to repeat as NBA champions in 2021? It's a tough question. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, potential teams that could be this biggest obstacle. I hate to say it. It's not really like a, a fun pick, but I'm going to have to say still the Clippers. Okay. I think the Clippers, they, you know, they still have Paul George and Kawhi for, for one more year. It's going to be a really big story to watch this year because this is the last year of their deal. So you got to think that if these guys are not happy in, in L.A. Especially after, with a new coach. Right. If they're not happy after this year, they might want to move on. You know, I think they were very he- heavy favorites for – this um to be the champions this past season and uh they have all these great pieces they just really i mean they need to figure out who their leader is and that's another problem that maybe we'll get to in a bit but i still think it's it's got to be them because of having Kawhi and pg and all of the uh the really solid pieces around them what do you think all right let me let me know what you think of uh of this thought at the end of the nba regular season next year the Western Conference standings will be number three, the Clippers. Number two, the Golden State Warriors. Number one, the Los Angeles Lakers. It's possible. And, and then the Western Conference Finals is the Lakers versus the Warriors. It's possible. I, you believe in the Warriors to, to well, that's, make I was a big say I was going to say that would obstacle? be like my, my second or third pick for the biggest obstacle. Because you can't forget... Steph and Splash Clay Brothers are killers, and now they got the number two pick in the draft. They've got the number two. Listen, <laughs> they um, I mean, obviously nobody, everybody knows about how great they were for um that stretch of years, always being in the finals. And yes, they did have Kevin Durant to help them in the latter half of that run, but they they did get there by themselves. Before um, yes, they're coming back from injuries, but. They've had tons of time to recover, being that they didn't really play that much during... Well, Steph played limited amount, and Clay did not play at all. And then, you know, the pandemic hit, and they had to have the season on a, you know, on a delay. So that gave them even more extended time to recover. So I think out of any situation in normal NBA seasons, since this was not normal NBA season and off season, they're going to be most ready to go now. So they could come back, and I, I heard rumors about them maybe trying to trade that second pick to get a uh, a player around their age range that is ready to win now. 
obviously not going to be able to get Giannis. somebody. <laughs> That'd be crazy. Yeah. Um, honestly, they're not. I mean, obviously they're not going to be able to get somebody that's going to be as good as Kevin Durant was for them. But they could still get a really solid piece, and then you still have Draymond Green there and Andrew Wiggins, and uh, that could be a serious, um, a serious threat. But it's kind of interesting because they're they're so different from the Lakers. You know, you have the Lakers, you've LeBron James and Anthony Davis who are going to be getting inside all the time, and then you're playing up against Steph and Clay who are just going to be spraying from three point land. So it's it's a, it's almost like a yin and a yang. They're very different teams, very different squads that could possibly pose a problem to the Lakers. Yeah, and you know I think that's actually a very good point. I think it's smart. Um, in this year's draft, it's just not not the most stacked draft ever. And yeah, I I think trading up, trading that second pick for a like, you know maybe a solid big man or like someone to you know spread the floor a little more. I think that'd be a, a great move for them. But either way. Oh, and we got oh. our first call. You know what? We'll, we'll answer the call. All right, let's see. Bear with us, guys. We're trying to figure this out. Hello, caller. You are on the air. Hey, guys. All right. The question is, what do the Lakers need to do to repeat next year? It's a great question. All right, what's the... Okay. <laughs> what? Wait. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. You're, you know what? This guy, this guy's a clown. <laughs> He's talking about Jeremy Lin coming. You know, I'm sorry. We're only taking serious calls on here. That's crazy. <laughs> I did. He have a good season in China. I don't know anything about what he did. What do you mean? He played in Beijing, and now you want him to come play for the Lakers? <laughs> All right, we're going to have to let you go, sir. Thank you for calling, though. Uh... <laughs> oh, man. That would be that would be hilarious. I, there's, I think, a less than 0.001% chance that happens. But... Listen, if you come on the show and you start saying crazy stuff like that, I'm just going to have to call you out and hang up on you. I'm sorry. But I do appreciate the call. That yeah, I mean, it, it is a take, however facetious. That's, that's a tough take. But but I want to finish my thought about the Warriors though. Yeah. Um. So I I was just about to say, next year I I think Lakers Warriors will be the Western Conference Finals, and I think that has the potential to be like one of the greatest playoff series of all time. I mean Why? that's just because that's like I mean it's just like one of the NBA Finals like the last like four NBA Finals when it was like the the Cavs versus the Warriors all the time. Now LeBron has AD, and then there's no KD. On the Warriors, I, that would be like an insane series, and I, I think that's what we're gonna get. So, I think the Warriors are gonna be back and dangerous next year, and and, and honestly, it's probably a toss up in the Western Conference Finals between those two teams, because I mean LeBron's only beaten Steph one out of the four times in the playoffs, so 
don't know. I, I think that'd be a lot of fun, and I think that's definitely their biggest obstacle to, you know, winning another title next year. But um, I guess you want to keep it on the Warriors and talk about what Steve Kerr said recently. Um, Steve Kerr on a, I think it was a podcast or a radio show, said that next season they will not be turning into the Rockets. So what do you think about this? What do you think about that comment? And, you know, I guess just what it means if, if that was like a fair shot at the Rockets. Yeah, I'm going to get to that in a moment, but I just want to point out I'm getting uh, some messages from our listeners that the uh, phone was not really coming through. Uh, people weren't able to hear what the caller was saying. Uh, so I guess we're going to hold off on calls for this time until we figure out these technical difficulties. But please uh, thank you for calling, and we're going to just uh, do our stuff on here, and hopefully you guys enjoy. Okay, so... Steve Kerr called out the Rockets because the Rockets and their whole style is just dribbling up every possession with James Harden and then having someone take a three. And usually it's just iso ball with James Harden dribbling around and then taking a step back three. And don't get me wrong, James Harden is one of the best players in the game. But there's something about that style that I really just hate to see and every time I watch them play it just bothers me about the the volume of three-pointers that they take and I think uh you know the analytics do support the idea that you should be taking three-pointers and layups but the Rockets have just taken it to this far extreme that kind of hurts the game of basketball in my opinion and I think uh Steve Kerr is just saying that they're not going to turn into that, um, and they're going to keep doing their thing like they've done before with good ball movement. And yes, they will take a lot of threes because they have Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, but that's why they're taking a lot of threes, not just because of the analytics, and they're still going to move the ball around and play uh, good basketball. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot. I think the main issue here is a lot of people thought that by by Steve Kerr saying that, it was a it was kind of like a shot at the Rockets. Like it was, I don't know, it was calling them out or something. I think something. it is like, kind of a shot, though. I, d- I didn't really feel like that when I when I heard it. I kind of thought it was just, I kind of thought of him as just using an example. Like, oh, the Rockets, you know, they really changed their style. Like, we're not going to do that. We're like, we're just going to stick to what we are. Yeah, I didn't I didn't really see, see anything, like, malicious in that, honestly. I, and I'm sure he didn't mean anything malicious. But, like, even, like, calling them out, I didn't really see... It didn't really seem like that to me. It kind of just seemed like, yeah, we're going to stick to our game. We still have our two greatest players. Um, and to what you were saying about, like, the Rockets with the small ball being, like, bad for basketball, like, I don't I, – like, I thought that was a fun experiment. Not, I remember necessarily, we, not necessarily the small ball. I think that was an interesting experiment, but just because they were able to run the, the court fast and all their players were uh, – you know, were small and, and quick and were able to outrun the uh, the larger teams that couldn't make it down the the floor as fast in uh, transition. But just the idea of the constantly shooting threes, like mm-hmm. possession after possession after possession with these guys that they're not bad three-point shooters, but they're not amazing three-point shooters, but it's just constant shooting threes that it just bothers me. I'm not, I'm not a fan of, the, of that kind of play. Yeah, I mean, I like... I'm definitely a fan of, like, the old-school basketball, you know, kind of 
tougher, more aggressive, like play down low in the paint. But, you know, I, I thought it was a fun experiment. Uh, if you have the shooters, like it's obviously going to be really risky. And But I think, it, you know, if the team is willing to take that risk and if that's how they, you know, think that they're going to do the best by, you know, just by putting the ball into the hands of their shooters. And I, I thought it was kind of fun. I thought it's – I didn't think of it as like bad or like – like, I, again, I'm not huge into like taking threes the entire game, but, you know, they had the weapons for it and they – took the risk and decided, you know, we're going to try this method out. And I, don't, I thought it was fun. I mean, I don't think anyone really even considered them as anywhere near a favorite to win the finals this year. And, and you know, they didn't. They made it, I think, about as far as everyone expected them to, you know, making it to, what, I think, the conference semifinals, um, which is, you know, for them, that's that, that's about what we expected. That was That's pretty good. But yeah, I don't know. I guess just to the original question, I didn't really see anything bad about what Steve Kerr said. Uh, I thought he just kind of used an example of what they're not going to do. I don't know. Okay. But anyway, um, so do you want to talk a little bit about just looking at this past, past playoffs, the teams with the biggest regret, you know, biggest missed opportunities? Yeah, I don't think this is really – I mean, unless if you say something that – it's going to be way out there. I don't know. But you, I, 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 you've I been known the... to say some crazy stuff before, <laughs> Isaiah. So It makes it interesting. So, well, <laughs> unless, unless if you're just terribly wrong. Um, to me, the biggest, uh, the team with the biggest regret in the East has to be the Milwaukee Bucks. And the team with the biggest regret in the West has to be the Clippers. Yeah. And I don't really think there's that much. Which um, was your uh, finals prediction. Wasn't it Bucks? Yeah, my the, my final position yeah. what uh prediction was Bucks versus Clippers, and I was wrong. I don't think anybody really expected um, the Bucks to lose the way they did. Um, I think some people maybe thought that they wouldn't make it all the way to the finals, but I don't think anyone thought that the Heat were going to take them out. That and especially in the manner that they did, and I know that Giannis was hobbled during that series but it's, it's still not really an excuse they they can't have that great of a regular season and have the MVP and lose the way they did to a team that wasn't really a thought going into the season at all yeah I know that's exactly what I was thinking uh that's exactly yeah what I was thinking with teams with the most regret I mean the Nuggets I, I really don't think you could say the Nuggets. I think they exceeded all expect, expectations. I thought the series, was, I thought their season was going to end at the hands of Donovan Mitchell, and they ended up making it way further than that. So, yeah, no, they, and I mean they were what the number th- uh, two or three seed. It was Nuggets three, right? Nuggets were the three seed. I believe so. Yeah, so I mean, they were a really good team, and people kind of didn't talk about them much, and all of a sudden they were in the Western Conference Finals, and. So I think that they had a lot of exceeded expectations. I don't think there's any regret for them. Uh, I will I will point out something though about the Nuggets that I think is kind of an interesting way to look about what they did. I think everyone kind of thought that they were a better team than the Jazz, but nobody thought they were a better team than the Clippers. Yep. So I almost wonder if um, if they had not gone down 3-1 to the Jazz and had to expend all that energy in fighting back against uh, the Jazz team to eventually come back from the 3-1 deficit, if they would have had more energy going into um, 
the following series against the Clippers and then against the Lakers. I'm not suggesting that I think that they could have beat the Lakers, but just something to think about that maybe if they had taken care of their business faster in the series that they, they were supposed to win, they maybe would have put up a bigger fight against the Lakers when they met them in the Western Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very fair argument. But, yeah, again, either way, I don't think they had anything to regret. Um, but moving on from this year's playoffs, you want to get in a little bit about Kevin Durant and the Nets. I remember we said a little bit a little bit ago we're going to get into the Nets looking at uh, next season. And what do you? how well do you think Durant's going to play? Following that Achilles injury. I think he's going to come back and he's going to be the second best player in the league. Really? Oh, yeah. Then who's number one? LeBron. Giannis? No. Where is he? Lower. He's not he's Third, not fourth, two. fifth? I don't know. You know. Steph Curry? Harden? Where are these guys factor? I don't know where they all factor. I mean, <laughs> listen. I'm calling you out on the spot right now. You call me on the spot? <laughs> Man, I think I made a list once. <laughs> I don't know. I'm. I don't. Giannis th- is a is a really good regular season player, but he's yet to prove it in the playoffs. I don't. I don't know. I think LeBron and Kevin Durant are going to be the best two players in the league next year. I think uh, Durant's going to be able to come back from that injury. He's had all this time to heal. He's had all the best doctors in the world. Clearly, the Nets uh, didn't make that investment without thinking about the possibility. Uh, well, they made the investment knowing that he was coming off the Achilles tear, but they didn't care. They still took him, and they still gave him that huge contract. And I think he's going to be a great player, and I think the Nets are probably the favorites to win the East. barring Favorites? Yeah, barring something crazy like I hear that um, the Heat are courting Giannis. If that were to happen, then I would have to say the Heat are the favorites. But um, otherwise, I think this totally shifts the whole—I um, mean, the whole pecking order in the East with a healthy Kevin Durant and a healthy Kyrie Irving on the Nets. Yeah, I—I I don't. I'm not going to go so far to say he'll be the second best player in the league next year, uh, and honestly. I think LeBron's the greatest player of all time. I don't even think necessarily he'll have the best season out of anyone next year either. I don't. I don't. I. I'm not gonna sit here and argue that he's gonna have an MVP season next year. He might. He'll be up in the conversation. I think, but I think Giannis is still gonna be the favorite, and I think he probably will be the best player in the NBA next season. And KD, I. I just can't put him at like number two right now because he's coming off the injury and. He hasn't been on a court in however long, like over a year, and he's a really good player, but he's on a completely new team, and I think it's going to take a little a little development, a little uh, some growing pains at the beginning of the season between him and Kyrie and just the rest of the team, uh, because I think him and Kyrie have some really good chemistry. It, that's what it seems like so far. It seems like they're really getting along, and I think that'll that'll go well on the court, but... I think it'll take a little time for them to kind of find their footing. And by the end of the season, I think KD, I think he'll probably be one of the top five players in the, in, in the NBA. But, I mean, we're, we're forgetting about Steph Curry coming back and Kawhi Leonard's still care. out there. That's, it's Kevin Durant. I know, but he's, again, he's coming off the injury. Hasn't been on a court in a long time. And he's on a brand You'll new see. team. You'll see. 
Okay, no, no, and Kevin I believe Durant, it. Kevin Durant's play is is transferable anywhere. He's not like a guy that's cutting to the rim a ton and stuff like that. He's a, he's pretty much an isolation scorer. You get Kevin Durant the ball, and he's going to get you buckets. He's getting the ball, dribbles around, and he's going to take tough shots. And he's so tall and lanky, and is an excellent shot maker. And he's going to get you buckets. Oh, yeah. He could put him anywhere, and he's going to get buckets. It doesn't I'm, matter what team he's on. It doesn't matter what system he's in. He's Kevin Durant. Yeah, I'm not denying his talent, but I just the fact that he's on a brand-new team, a first-time coach, and it's a team that doesn't have any historic success, really. So, yeah, he'll be really good, especially by the end of the season, but he's coming back from being out a long time with a brand-new team. I, I just... Yes, he will be very good. He will be a, most likely a top five player, but there's still all these other really good players, and I'm not gonna. I'm just not gonna put him as he'll be the number two player in this in the NBA next season. Right. I can't, but right. I do believe in the Nets. I think they'll be really good. Again, I think they'll probably start off first. I can, first I fifteen can twenty games. Pains. First fifteen twenty games, I could see him being at like five hundred or so. But then after that, I feel like they'll probably... 500? Yeah, I, I could see that. Through 20 games? Yeah, I could in see the them... In the East? 10, to, 10 and 10, or maybe 12 wins. I could see. I'm I, I'm just Come saying. Come on, man. Growing pains. But no. there's still 62 more games after that, and I could see them ending up 1 or 2. 10 and 10 through the first 20 games in I could the see East it. when you have Kevin Durant I don't know and Kyrie Irving? I don't know what their schedule is yet. I don't even know if they're... It doesn't matter what their schedule, schedule is. ...out right now, but... There's only like a handful of teams that should be able to beat them. I'm just saying I could see it. And who else is on the team? What do you mean? Who else is on the team? You have Jared Allen. You have Spencer Didwitty. Yeah, I, I mean, these are all right players. And yes, Levert. they ma- no, no, they're not all right players. They're really they made good the, role yeah, players. Yeah, they made the playoffs. I, I'll give you that. But Gary yeah, Harris, if he comes gonna be back, forgotten. I think he's he's up for uh, extension. I think he might be a free agent. They're a good team. Without they were a playoff team without any of these yeah. guys playing. Yeah, I know they were shocking. I just I don't know. Maybe fifteen wins. I don't know. I I, I just could see them starting off. Somewhat slow, but after 20 games, so like after like a month, I think they'll probably really find their footing and start taking See, over. I, I think slow for them is like 16 and no, I think slow for them is like 15 and five through. And I think that's, that's the probably, first I think 20. that's probably the best. Well, you just I, said 10 and 10. I think that's the, I think 15 and five is the best they'll be through 20. All right. And ten and we'll ten, say, ten and ten will probably be the worst that they'll be. I think they'll be between that range, and that's so pretty good. Ten and ten before they'll be, they'll be top. That's like top four or five in the conference still, at that point. Like like between ten and fifteen wins, you're still like, at least top six teams in the conference, most likely. Well, Especially in the East, we're not worried about them making the playoffs. The only no, way know. they wouldn't make the playoffs is if, like, <laughs> both Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving got horribly injured either way they might they might still make the playoffs without kevin durant and e- kyrie irving either way we're we're agreeing that they're going to be a very good team all i'm saying is i right, think they could right. start slow i don't know that's it all right <laughs> they're not going to be like winning 20 games in a row to start the season I all think. right all right whatever uh, <laughs> and i guess another uh player i want to talk about that has had a lot of injury struggles in the nba is Mr. Kristaps Porzingis? Oh yeah, and the traitor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, from the Knicks. I'm a Knicks uh, fan, yep. by the way. Well, I don't. Is there any real Knicks fan anymore? <laughs> I don't know. It's just so horrible to watch. It's whatever. But how, as a Mavericks fan, how concerned would you be? Or I guess even just as a fan of the NBA, someone that's a fan of Kristaps, 
I mean, how worried are you about his injury proneness? Yeah, you've got to be worried. Uh, he's had multiple injuries, and he's missed many, many games, and he's still a young player. Over the course of his, his young career, he's never really had a, a good full season. He's always been out here or there. He got hurt uh, during that series against the Clippers. I thought they were going to give the Clippers a run for their money the way that he was playing, well, the way that Luka was carrying that team, and maybe with a healthy uh, Porzingis on the court, they might have been able to make some more noise against the Clippers. But you've got to be concerned because it kind of seems like Mark Cuban and uh, and the Dallas Mavericks have kind of uh, put the um, the control of their franchise and like given the reins to Luka Doncic and uh, Christoph Porzingis, especially when they made that trade for Kristaps from the Knicks. So, you know, Luka has proven himself, and I think Luka's definitely a top 10 player in the league. He's one of my favorite players to watch, if not my favorite behind LeBron James. I mean, during the playoffs, that one game he had where uh, when he hit that buzzer yeah, beater that, against yep. the Clippers, I forget, it was like a like a 40-point triple-double or something. It was unbelievable. I'll never forget watching that with my brother in the... Uh, over quarantine is such an awesome game. He's proven himself, but Kristaps hasn't really been able to prove himself because he's been constantly injured. And you only think that maybe if Luca had a star with him that was more consistent in being on the court, that could be a much more dangerous team. Yeah, no, I I totally agree, and it really it it's it's a shame because I love Kristaps. I love to watch him play. I think he's just a really great player. But, yeah, I think this was his second knee surgery on, like, the same knee. And he's young, and big guys and knees do not go well. So, you know, I, I've, like, you know, looking back at the history of the NBA, there's been players that will come back, you know, maybe like a big guy that has, like, a knee injury. But they'll come back, and they'll still have a great career. But this is already his second surgery. And it just, it seems like he's always out. Like, it's usually knees, but, like, it's, it's always something. He's never, it just, like, you pick a random point in an NBA season, I feel like it's more likely than not that he's injured with something. Which, and, yeah, to your point, it's it, it's bad for the Mavericks. Because Luka does need that that other star. Yeah, they really want to, if they really want to really go too. far. Right. So, yeah, I'm really concerned for him. I and that's just a shame. It's just the unfortunate part of the game when you have someone as good as him and, you know, you just can't get rid of the injury bug. And, you know, what is what if next season, 20, 30 games in, all of a sudden the knee gets re-aggravated? I mean, then you're really getting worried about how long is this guy going to even be able to be in the NBA? Uh, I'd be surprised if the Mavericks weren't already thinking about some possible trades or options for themselves if not this offseason uh in future off seasons to try to put some more talent around Luca. Mhm. Luca is an amazing player and Luca's super young but you have to take advantage. I mean, he is young and he does have a long career to be able to uh to win championships for Dallas, but who knows is Luca going to get upset if uh Dallas doesn't try to bring in a piece to help him out? I think Luca's ready to win now if he has a good a couple good teammates with him. I think he could be a real force in the playoffs and I know that the league is so stacked right now, but I don't think you could discount how good of a player he is when healthy and what could be if he did have some other great pieces around him. You know, like 
LeBron needed his Kyrie. AD or his Kyrie or his Dwayne Wade. Uh, Luke, I mean, not, excuse me, Porzingis is not in any of those guys' um, league, and Luka is no LeBron James yet. So he needs somebody that's going to be able to play with him, and I guess we'll see. Uh, the free agent class isn't that uh, crazy good this um, off season, but going forward, I know that Paul George and Kawhi are going to be free agents next year. Uh, Next offseason, I'm not saying that that would be a great fit for Luka. I think that would probably be bad for Luka. But I'm sure there will be other free agents around then that could possibly be a good addition to the Mavericks. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, it's I, I think Porzingis has the potential to be one of those really, really top-tier players in the NBA. I'm just worried he'll never actually get to it. I'm I'm just worried he's it's always going to be something. And... And it's unfortunate because if, if that wasn't the case, I think they still probably need one more piece, but they would be very, very like ready to make a, a potential run, I think, right now. Not necessarily to win the finals or anything like that. They still are, I think, one piece short. But, you know, with Porzingis, if he's fully healthy all the time, they're definitely, I think have the potential to upset a team like like the Clippers or like one of those top teams in the Nuggets, someone like that, and make a Western Conference Finals. It's just that it, 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 I'm just worried that he's just going to keep getting injured. So, it's which is a shame. Part of the game. But. Yeah, it's a shame. But anyway, let's talk about uh, another thing about – actually, let's move even further west. Another team I actually I, I just mentioned is the Clippers. And now they have a new coach. Yeah. And kind of a little bit of an identity crisis almost. Who are who is this team? They so everyone's ready for the battle of L.A. in the Western Conference Finals. Then all of a sudden, Jamal Murray and the Nuggets come in and end any hopes of that. And and they just seem deflated at the end of their loss. So what what is their identity right now? Who's who who could be the leader of the team, especially with a new coach and just kind of like the deflatedness of losing in the semifinals last year. That's the problem that they have. There, there's no on-court leader. You, know, you look at, like, okay, you could say, but Kawhi won uh, last year with Toronto. He wasn't the on-court leader. It was Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry is the heart and soul of that team, but Kawhi was the star that took them over the hump and allowed them to win the finals. There's no on-court leader. You know, you look at the Lakers, you have LeBron, you look at... Um, the Warriors, you have Steph. You need these guys to be really vocal uh, leaders. I mean, look at the last dance. Look at how uh, vocal of a leader Michael Jordan was. Do you really think... I'm not saying that every leader has to be that demanding of his teammates and of the of the performances of his players and everything like that, but do you really think Kawhi Leonard is doing anything close to that kind of leadership? No. He's a quiet guy. He kind of goes about his business. He does his thing. He's a great player, but he's no leader. And that's fine if that's who you want to be. But if you really want to be great, you have to be able to lead your team. And usually the best player on a team is the leader. So if it's not him, Paul George also doesn't seem like that vocal of a guy. And then what? You're going to fall down the ranks to uh, Patrick Beverly or Lou Williams. You know, It's almost like... 
the problem on that team is there's too many personalities but no central leader to kind of hone in all those personalities, and it's a problem. Yeah, no, I basically exactly what I was going to say. It's like there's nothing wrong with being a quiet guy, but when you are the one of the best players in the NBA, you're the best player on your team, it's kind of too bad. You kind of have to – you're the best player. You're expected to lead your teammates, be more vocal, kind of, I don't know, get people ramped up. Like, And he's just not that, which is just kind of a flaw of Kawhi Leonard. And, yeah, you're, you're, you're right about, like, Kyle Lowry was that vocal leader. And even though Kawhi was the MVP, like the star of the team in terms of skill – he 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 didn't really do anything. He kind of was just like quietly there, just scoring buckets. Like he wasn't act, and then he was like there and gone, like in one season. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I can't really see him even change. Like he needs to change, I think, and become more of that vocal leader because he knows that he is the best player on the. I, like, like I think he knows everything we're saying. I think he knows he's the best player on the team and that he needs to take over that role. But like, I don't know what it is. If it's just his personality just holds him back that much or what. But he's just. We haven't seen it yet, and I think if they want to make an NBA Finals, they're going to have to have someone, like, they're going to have to have him actually speak up and lead the team and kind of be that coach on the floor, especially with a new coach being there. You need that player that's going to actually speak up and not just put everything onto the coach to be that, like, leader, like, that vocal leader. They need the star player to actually speak up as well. It's also kind of tricky, the situation, because you already had this this team built. You had this team with Pat Bev and Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell, and they were doing their thing, and they were the eighth seed the year before, um, the year before Kawhi and Paul George came, but then all of a sudden, the whole, uh, you know, status, like the power rankings of of who is the best players on that team gets shifted dramatically when you bring in Kawhi and you bring in Paul George. Automatically, those are now the two best players in the team. It's a little bit of an identity crisis. I feel like those guys that were there feel like, oh, it's their team, or but nobody's really stepping up, and it's it's a whole mess. And I have to say, to point out, I don't like this Tyron Lou hire at all. I think it is a huge mistake. You, he was the assistant under Doc Rivers. He's culpable for the mess that's going on right there, right now. It's not like he had no responsibility, and now you're all you're giving five years. You got rid of Doc, and then you just are putting in the guy that was right under Doc. Clearly, that team had some issues that they lost three one to the Nuggets. There was horrible leadership either by the coach or by the players. But if the players aren't leading the team well, the coaches would be the one to whip them into shape and say, you have to lead these guys and you can't let this happen. This is ridiculous. And clearly that wasn't done by Doc. So why would it be done by the guy that's under Doc? You have to bring in someone from the outside and you have to start a whole new culture there. And you have to say, look, guys, this is how we're going to do things. And Kawhi, we need you to step up and we have a great team. Probably the most talented team in the league from top to bottom because of all the depth that they have. And we're going to turn this around. Last season was bad, but we're going to move on and we're going to win a championship next year. It almost seems like it was just it, it, what has changed. You understand what I'm saying? What has changed from, from now Doc Rivers to Tyron Lue? 
It's the same coaching staff. It's the same people. It's the same ideas. It's the same energy. It was a mistake. I, you, need, you, you need new energy on that team. Now you have a coach that's won at NBA Finals, though. I don't care. You need new energy. It's bad. But now energy. he's in that. But now he's in that head coach role. Maybe he didn't. He was too suppressed as no, an assistant. I don't and now, so. now that he's got the reins, he'll actually, you know, feel more free to speak no, up and call out people. You need someone to come in there to totally flip everything on its head. You know, like maybe they were too comfortable on their Doc Rivers, and you're telling me that you're not going to be the same amount of comfortability under the guy that was your assistant that you still know and you're still uh, accustomed to being around and you've still been coached by before, even if it wasn't in the head coaching role. What that team needed was for somebody else to come in and to totally shift everything around and fix the team. And that's not what's going on right now, and it's a big mistake. Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. Like, it would have been a good move, I think, an outside hire, but... I don't know. I don't think it's as big of a mistake as you think because I, I'm still looking at Ty Lue as an NBA Finals winning coach who knows the system and he's not like he's not the quietest guy around. I think that now that he is the head coach, I don't know. I, I just I feel like with his experience of already winning a title, I, I don't think he's just going to be complacent and like I don't think people are just going to run over him like because he was already an assistant or whatever. I I don't know. I believe in him more than than you do. I think he has the experience and. Now that he's the head coach, he knows his. He knows that he's been put into this spot with confidence from management that he is the one that can get them over the hump. I think he's going to use that, and he's going to take up that challenge and say, "Hey, I've already done this with the Cavaliers, and now I am with a even probably an even better team. Even though I don't have LeBron, but I got you know, like you said, the most deaf of a team. It's disrespectful. So what? What's disrespectful? I don't think this. I don't think you could say this Clippers team is better than LeBron and Kyrie and Kevin Love and the Cavs that that won in twenty sixteen. They got more depth though. I'm, yeah, I'm not. I, they're very different teams. But now he's coaching. I think more of a complete team versus just three players. So and I think he's looking at that and thinking, oh, also, well, I got a full team now. He wasn't the leader on that NBA Finals victory, was he? He what was the coach, but he wasn't oh. the leader. LeBron yeah, that, that was yeah. That LeBron James is the coach of that team. I don't care what anybody says. Do you Maybe. Think, do you think that that the Lakers wouldn't have won this year if Frank Vogel wasn't coaching them? Come on, could have put That's anyone fair. in there, they would have won. That's fair, but I mean, if if you're saying that, you it you could kind of make the argument for most coaches. I feel like no, I think it's different in LeBron James's case because he's the best player in the world right now. And but I think any team with a with a all star standout like that, you can no, make that argument. No, there's LeBron in terms of leadership and. What about the Nets IQ? this year? No. What Steve you... Nash, being I'm talking about next year, like Nat, Net, uh, the Nets with they Steve need Nash. Steve like, Nash. Yeah, but like, Katie and Kyrie have already said that we're gonna kind of take over. Yeah, like, that's a bad attitude. So because I don't think I don't think Kevin Durant is capable of doing that the way that LeBron James can. Kevin Durant. He's still the second best player in the league, in my opinion, but he's not capable of leading the team and being that kind of locker room guy that LeBron James is able to be. Even when he was in the Warriors, was he the leader? No. <laughs> it was Steph and Draymond, mm-hmm. probably were the most vocal leader guys on that team. Maybe even Iguodala from a veteran presence. It wasn't wasn't Kevin Durant. He was just there to get buckets, which is fine, but... I'm not saying he can't be the leader of the Nets and he can't 
be vocal. I'm not comparing him to Kawhi Leonard. I think he'll be more vocal than Kawhi Leonard, but he's not able to just take over the coaching reins like LeBron James can. It matters who's in that position. Whatever. I don't know. I think I I, I still think maybe for the, some of the top teams it it is more the players than the coach. But I'm gonna take a brief second, real quick. It is two o'clock Eastern time here. And you are listening to WZBC 90.3 Newton. And this is Sports Saturday, WZBC. And you are listening to Kenny Tomkovich and Isaiah Mueller, The Extra Point. Once again, we are usually on the AM station on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. A lot of discussion like this, a lot of NBA, NFL, and a little baseball, a little college football here and there. Um but yeah, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. The link is online on w- the WZBC Sports website. So feel free to tune in anytime, Tuesdays, 8 p.m. But do you want to switch to NFL? Yeah, sure. Talk? We could do NFL for a second hour. Okay. So I think I, I think it. we talk about the Dallas Cowboys a lot on our show. And our listeners know that... The Dallas Cowboys are one of my favorite teams to bag on. I really, I don't know, I, I, re, I just love to bag. I, I don't like the Cowboys at all, and I think they're a terrible team, and I love that they've been proving me right the past however many years. But I was, I, I just want to start off by saying I was very heartbroken at what I saw on Sunday. I, as much as I like to doubt the Cowboys, I do love Dak Prescott. He's a great guy. He loves the game of football. I remember uh, watching him in college for Mississippi State, and he led the team to the number one ranking in the nation when teams like Alabama were really good that season. He he led Mississippi State, who who what do they do ever in college football? He led them to the number one spot for a couple of weeks. So I remember being really high on this guy, and you know there's a lot of question marks when the Cowboys drafted him, but he's proven himself. I mean, not really playoff wise at all. But he loves the game. He's he's a good quarterback. He puts up tons of great stats. So I was heartbroken for him, and I wish him a speedy recovery. I I think the prognosis was better than expected. I think it was like four to six-month recovery, which looking at that injury, that looked like a possibly losing your leg injury and possibly never playing again. And it was crazy, too, that it happened on the same day that Alex Smith came back two years after his gruesome leg injury comes back plays his first game since then on sunday morning and then later in the day same thing happens to dak thankfully it seems like it's not on the same level and i love to trash on the cowboys but i want it to be when they're at full power so then i can even you know and then it, it, it makes it even better so i want I, I, I want to see dak come back better than ever next year but should we talk about dak a little bit what that means for the cowboys and i guess it's any thoughts you have about dak uh, yeah, I mean, it was really sad to see that happen, and that's coming from a New York Giants fan. Obviously, I don't like the Cowboys either because they're in the NFC East of my Giants, but he's an excellent player. I've been very high on him throughout his entire career, higher than most people are on him. I think that he's the fifth-best quarterback in the league. A lot of people don't agree with that. I'm very Quit high myself. on him, and I think he's a great player. Uh, it was really tough to see what happened to him on a freak play. You know, that stuff, that's about football. Injuries happen. I played in high school. I had my injuries. I've seen a lot of people get injured, friends of mine. 
you see a lot of people get injured from, you know, every Saturday or Sunday watching football and just a reality of the game that's unfortunate. But everybody knows what they're getting themselves into, and that's how it is. So, yeah, I mean, the Cowboys were looking bad, and now they're looking even worse. Uh, you know, Andy Dalton's going to be the quarterback right now. I will say a little silver lining is that it's impressive that they do have Andy Dalton because he does have a lot of experience playing with the Bengals for many years, and he's probably one of the better backup quarterbacks in the league. So at least they have Andy Dalton instead of, I don't know, like Mullins on the the 49ers or, you know, whoever. Um, Who's the one uh, for the Bills? Peterman? Yeah, like (laughs) Peterman. Um, So they're not going to be as good as they would be with Dak. But I do expect them to still kind of um, assert themselves as a better team it's kind of a difficult thing to explain, but they've just been so bad so far that I feel like they could only do better. If that makes any sense. Like, I think they're going to still figure their stuff out. Um, Andy Dalton didn't look bad last week. You know, it was Giants, Cowboys, so I was watching. And sure enough, um, tie game, Andy Dalton gets the ball back with a minute left. And he throws some unbelievable balls to drive Dallas down the field. And they won the game. So, and Andy Dalton really put the team on his back in that way. So, they've just been so bad so far. And there's such a weak division that I think they're going to be able to maybe even still win the division with Andy Dalton. Because the only other real threat is the Eagles. And they've looked really bad too. Carson Wentz has not been playing well. So, yeah, that's my take on what's going on with Dallas. They still have all those crazy weapons on offense. Maybe you could look to have a a larger workload for Ezekiel Elliott now uh, and take some more pressure off of Andy Dalton. We know that Zeke could put the team on his back if he wants to. He's the best running back in the league. So, yeah, what do you think, Isaiah? Anything else to add? Yeah, no, actually, I kind of thought similarly. Um, I mean, obviously, it's still going to – I don't know, maybe the defense will be more motivated now. <laughs> like, they've just been so bad. Maybe they – like a little shake up now they're like oh like we really need to step up I don't know but yeah you know I remember uh Sunday night Tony Dungy on and like Sunday night countdown or whatever kind of got a lot of flack because he said that Dak getting injured could be a blessing in disguise because it allows them to like play their more traditional style football and I think it was I think it was probably too soon to say something like that seeing that it was like an not even an hour after it after the injury but I kind of agreed with him. I kind of like a little shake up and putting someone like someone as experienced as Andy Dalton. Like, yeah, he looked really good. And I'm not doubting Dak is a good quarterback, but I don't know. I think a little shake up for them could actually play out pretty well. And honestly, I, I like their chances to win the division as much as I did before the injury. I really do because the division is so bad. And Andy Dalton, yeah, he's really experienced and. I remember. I think it was like last year. Their their backup was like Brandon Rush or something like that. So it, it was like crazy timing that they just happened to pick up Andy Dalton as their backup quarterback. Like I don't know what they were thinking when they did that, but it's really paying off now. But yeah, no, I think uh, they could possibly even play better. I I actually I think that just you know a shake up in the system. I I could see. 
I don't. I I think they have a, as much of a chance to win the d- division as before, and possibly even more of a chance now. Actually, I I really do. Uh, see, I don't know about that. Dak is just better than Andy Dalton, so just you're you maybe, have a worse quarterback now. So. Maybe Dak is on the wrong team. Like I I I could honestly see that. I because. Sure, they're gonna want to keep. They're gonna want him to be their franchise quarterback. I mean, obviously things are in the air now with the injury, but I the fact that he, I will agree, he is a very good quarterback. Yet he hasn't been able to do anything with the Cowboys. Maybe he just needs to get out of Dallas and go where. I don't know. That's uh, but where else are you gonna have the weapons that he has in Dallas? No, I. That's fair. I'm just saying, like, I there's something about like him in Dallas I, that just hasn't been working so far. Like, they should like. Sure, the defense hasn't been great, but like, what? Like, what is it? They have all the offensive weapons, and but they can't even win half the games in a season. But like, haven't been working is kind of a loose term. They've been, you know, obviously last year they didn't make the playoffs, but they've had playoffs. Well, they haven't had playoff success, but they've had success getting to the playoffs throughout Dak's career, and he's still very young, and maybe he just needs a little bit more experience to get over the hump eventually. And then. Where else are you going to go that you're going to have, you know, I think Zeke's the best running back in the league. Amari Cooper is probably like top 15 wide receiver in the league. It's tough to go to another place where you're going to have those weapons and then that awesome O-line that they have and now C.D. Lamb is real good. Then why doesn't it work, though? Like, I just don't get I don't why know. it hasn't worked. That, I don't have exactly. an answer for so, it. I really don't. Maybe he's don't on know. the wrong team. And I don't think – and I guess looking forward to what what will happen next offseason – I I think the Cowboys do have a good chance of winning the division. I could see them winning it with Andy Dalton, not really doing anything in the playoffs, but you know, still making a decently successful year out of it. And uh, I kind of think, you know, a lot of people are worried about, you know, is he going to get his money now? You know, with the whole contract issue of he only had like the one year deal or whatever. And I kind of see this as they really love Dak in Dallas, and they see him as their franchise quarterback, and they just feel really bad for the guy that he had this injury. So I, I think what will happen, it will be kind of like an Eagles situation when they made the Super Bowl uh, two, three years ago uh, where Carson Wentz was the guy for them. You know, he's their franchise quarterback. He had a really good year, and then Nick Foles comes in for the end of the season because of uh, the injury to Carson Wentz. And then at the end, they ended up winning the Super Bowl, defying all expectations. But the season ended, and it wasn't there wasn't much talk of, like, Oh, is Nick Foles gonna be the franchise quarterback now? No. Yeah, there it, was. I mean, there yeah, was there was a talk, ton of talk about. No, no, no that. I, I'm, yeah, there was talk about it, but like, it didn't happen. They still went with Carson Wentz because he is their franchise quarterback. So, I, what I think is gonna happen is, you know, Andy Dalton might have a pretty successful season, but no matter what, I think Dak's coming back next year as a Cowboy. I think they'll give him the money he wants, and I think he'll he'll be locked up as the Cowboys. And no matter how far they make it this year, I don't think Andy Dalton will be. A starter barring injury to Dak Prescott next year. But why? Why would they pay him as much? They offered him a pretty good deal, and he declined it. This offer. Yeah, no, I didn't understand that. Why are they going to pay him? So you think they're going to they're going to come up on their offer and and to well, appease him? No, I think I think he'll probably come down. And because I mean, he has to come down. Yeah, now. no, I He's yeah, I take I take back injury. the yeah, I take that back. I I think he will come down to what they offer him because they gave him such a nice offer and he. Denied it. I did not understand it at all. So I think he'll come back, come down to that. But either way, I think they'll still give him the offer, and I st- still think he will be 
without question, the starter. I mean, maybe if Andy Dalton has, like, an MVP-type season, wins the but Super Bowl, ridiculous. but that's not going to happen. So, it's gonna no matter basically, no matter what, it's going to be Dak. He's going to be the fr- their franchise quarterback. The, the injury is really tough. It's really sad, but the, the good thing about it is that it is just, after, you know, after they did all the examinations, it is just kind of a regular uh, season-ending injury. And it's honestly... It, I was thinking about it. I feel like it happens to like half of the great quarterbacks. Like they'll take the ha- like Brady had his season where he was out. Rodgers had his season a couple years ago. No, so I, it kind of happened. Broke it, his leg. He snapped his ankle and it was twisted in the wrong direction. No, it was That's different from. I, I I thought it was gonna be an Alex Smith situation, whereas he might not ever play again. But the silver lining is that actually it actually isn't. It, it's only a season-ending injury, and I think he'll be back and ready to go next season. So, which and that that's to my point. It, it's happened to a lot of quarterbacks, and they've come back and still made successful careers. So, okay. that, that, that's, I could see that happening. But that's enough about the Cowboys. Let's. Uh, you want to move on to the AFC East? Uh, much well, not much better, but a better conference, a division than the NFC East, and much better. Yeah, yeah, I would say much better. I mean, that Dolphins win really makes it seem like they are a much. Better, but you still have the New York Jets in there. Yeah, they may they may go winless this year. I I think they will. I think they have like a less than fifty percent. I think they have a less than fifty percent chance in all their games remaining. And well, I looked I looked at the rest of their schedule, and I could very well see. That's another thing we should talk. This whole Le'Veon Bell stuff. Yeah. I can't. Yeah, but anyway, I look at their schedule, and I just don't see where they're going to get a win, especially no. after. The Dolphins, who were supposed to be the weakest part of their schedule, just beat up on Jimmy Garoppolo and the um, NFC champion 49ers. That was unbelievable. But, yeah, what's going on? They gave Le'Veon this real nice deal. Well, wasn't really a good deal for them, but they, they paid Le'Veon. They wanted to bring him in. And now they just said, okay, you can leave. And that's it. And... This, they let Jamal Adams go too. Like, what is this team doing? I don't understand. No, I'm with you. I like I agree that they needed to get they needed to trade him because he hasn't been very good for them and he just hasn't fit. It's just been like a nobody's really liked each other that entire time. It seems like between the Jets and Le'Veon, but releasing him and releasing Jamal Adams, yeah, like I, who the heck is managing this team? Like, I thought they got a trade some, for Jamal Adams. What? I I believe they had a trade for Jamal Adams. Okay. Well, either way, with Le'Veon, why are you releasing him? Like, in the middle of the season, there's a team that needs a veteran running back, and you're just going to let him go? I, I, I did not understand that at all. I just don't think they care and, anymore. It seems like they don't even care about being a team anymore. They kind of want to cease to exist. <laughs> like, what are they going for? At least get, get a draft pick or something out of Le'Veon. Like, you could have at least gotten a, a draft pick. And you, you think they should stick with Sam Darnold after the season? I, that and that's another tough question. That's uh, he. I, you know, that you see the signs of potential in him. He'll have these random games where he looks really good, and you know, if, if they go zero and sixteen, they should probably go for Trevor Lawrence and trade Sam Darnold because it just hasn't it just hasn't worked between either of them, and that could be another case. Just he's just on the wrong team because I think he could have more success with a better team, but. He just hasn't like it's just the Jets are just such a mess 
So, and I guess they don't see Sam Darnold as like the savior. Well, they did at first. Yeah, but at this point, I don't. I don't think they no, do I anymore. Think, I think they've got to move on from him. I think he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the league, if not the worst. Maybe barring Dwayne Haskins, Danny Dimes. What about Danny? <laughs> What? <laughs> Sam Darnold is the Giants are just as bad. As, the Giants are just as bad of a team, though. That's not true. They have the same record, zero and five. Yeah, but I think, I think Danny Dimes is better first off than Darnold. But I would not be opposed to moving on from Danny Dimes for Trevor Lawrence or one of these other top quarterbacks that are going to come out of this it, class. It seems like Trevor Lawrence is going to end up in New York, but just which team is the question? Well. Who wants we'll him see. more? Let's see who wants who keeps losing. But I don't think it's fair to uh, to compare the Giants to the Jets. I think the Giants are way better off. They still have Saquon Barkley. He's injured. He'll come off the injury. Hopefully, he'll be, get back to what he was in his rookie season. You've seen um, flashes with the connection between Darius Slayton and um, and Daniel Jones. Ingram and um, Shepard have never really lived up to. Well, right now our problems, our problem is offense. Defense has played better than. Well, okay. I mean, we do have Blake Martinez. I think he was That's the true. leading um, yep. tackler in the league last year for the Packers. Right. I don't. I that that trade did not make sense to me. Um, and the gate Kyler Fackrell is starting for the Giants too, which is. He was also came for the Packers. We we gave two of our of the Packers gave yeah. So for our, our first time listeners, I'm a Packers fan, and yeah, I didn't understand that they gave Kyler Fackrell, who I mean he he's not that great, but they gave Blake Martinez as well to the Giants. And I mean our the Packers defense has been fine. This it's been pretty good this season so far. But but yeah, I guess they have some pieces on defense, but they're still I think they're still giving up a lot of points. And I think the whole every. Every aspect of every New York team is just terrible right now. Like, like basically, the Giants are a little better than the Jets. They would win head to head, but I don't know who like the Giants are really going to be either. The Washington Footballs, maybe. I, I I don't know. Like it's the we'll NFC East is terrible, later. but but yeah. I either way, I think Trevor Lawrence is ending up in New York, which is interesting because both teams have really young quarterbacks, but he's going to be the number one pick. It seems and. It seems like one of those two teams is going to have the number one overall pick. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for sure. <laughs> but uh, I guess on the other side of the AFC East, we have some really good teams. Right. And right now, we're talking about the team to beat in the AFC East. I know the Bills got smacked on Monday night by the Titans. But I think that was more the Titans being really good. I yeah. still think the Bills are the best team in the AFC I East. I agree. Okay. I think they're still the, the best team. It's it's a little too early to give the uh, to give it to the Patriots. I mean, Patriots haven't even played. Like, are they even going to play tomorrow? Like, it seems like this Patriots Broncos game is just destined <laughs> for failure. But uh, but no, I mean, I I don't think you can give it to the Patriots yet. They've looked pretty good, but we, we kind of just need to see more football. From the Patriots, I like. I haven't just feel like I haven't seen enough of them. So well, they've only played one less game. I know, but it's like it's been two weeks now, and like, I don't know, it's like so much has happened, and it's like, are they even going to play tomorrow? They've, it's just kind of been a mess with the COVID stuff right. for them. But the Dolphins looked good last week, but they're definitely not the best team in the division. It's it's definitely the Bills, um, and they just they just had a poor showing against a really good Titans team that was kind of crazy coming off of like two weeks also of not playing and like barely practicing and they looked dominant yeah the titans really surprised me in that game i think 
they could really be a surprising for maybe I, I guess it's disrespectful to say surprising at this point because they were surprising last season and kind of showed everybody what they were capable of. I think this year they shouldn't be it shouldn't we shouldn't be as surprised as fans to see how way how well they're playing and what they're capable of. I think they could probably make a run in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean I they were my preseason uh pick to win the AFC South. And they probably were for a lot of people, but I'm I'm just I'm not surprised. I think a lot of people did think that they would kind of regress and people also thought the Packers were gonna regress. But um besides the point. The uh Titans, yeah no I like they didn't lose anyone, and they still have Derrick Henry, who, in my opinion, we'll get in this later, is the best running back in the NFL right now. But uh, anyway, to the back to the AFC East, though it the Bills just no, did have not. a tough showing. We'll get it. We'll get into that. Oh, okay. We'll get into it. Okay. But um, no, I still think the Bills are a very good team, but the Titans are just better. So, I guess sticking with the very good teams, who do you think has been the most impressive? Of the undefeated teams so far this season, it's kind of the number of undefeated teams is kind of starting to dwindle a little bit, especially after that shocking, uh, well, not even kind of shocking Chiefs loss. But among the Steelers, Titans, and Packers, Seahawks and, Packers. and Seahawks, who has been the most impressive for you? I've been most impressed by your Green Bay Packers. Good answer. Continue, <laughs> they- continue. They've had the best offense in the league so far this year, putting up 38 points per game. And out of those four teams, they fall um, as the second-best defense out of the four teams that are undefeated that we mentioned, um, just behind uh, the number one team, which is the Steelers. They have that really good defense there in Pittsburgh. So, yeah, they've had um, some quality wins. They've been blowing people out. Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the league so far this season, and that's going to have to be the most impressive team to me so far. What about you? It's music. Well, you're going to say music, the same thing. Music to my ears. I I'm really. I knew you weren't going to say any of the AFC teams. The Steelers, still not high on them. And then the Titans. Yeah, they've still just kind of been a surprise. But I'm glad you didn't say the Seahawks. Um, yeah, I was kind of expecting you to say the Packers, but maybe the Seahawks. Um, but honestly. The Seahawks have been really good. There have been question marks on the defense. But, you know, they really, like, they really should have lost that game to the Vikings on Sunday Night Football. I mean, I don't know what the Vikings were thinking. They, like, went for it, like, did, like, a handoff on fourth and one where they could have easily done a QB sneak or just kick a field goal, make it an eight-point game. Vikings completely choked that game. Like, I'm sure the chances were, like, the percentages were really high the Vikings would win that. Seahawks honestly got lucky, and they really could easily not be undefeated right now. So, yeah, the Packers, I've watched all of every game. They, this is as dominant of a team as I've seen from the Packers in a long time. And, and it's coming from both sides of the ball. It's The defense is holding teams, and the, and the offense is just the production, especially after all the hate of not picking up a receiver in the draft. The offensive production has been off the charts for who they have. And now I, I'm really excited because, for one, Devontae Adams – is uh, scheduled to, like, basically for sure play tomorrow against the Buccaneers. And uh, another not-known name that you might know, Equinemius St. Brown has been one of my favorites. He had a really good – he had a he showed signs of, uh, like, flashes of greatness, like, two years ago. Like, he, he had a really good route runner. Uh, but he's been – he was out all of the 2019 season with injury. 
and he was and as well as the uh, first couple weeks of the season, but he practiced this week, and I think he'll be back sometime within the next couple weeks. So it's tough because the Packers did lose Alan Lazard, but they still have Scantling, and now St. Brown's coming back. And, you know, just some of the guys that picked up off the uh, practice squad have been really good too, and Rodgers is Rodgers. So Packers have – I mean, they're now that the, and now that the Chiefs lost, if we're talking power rankings, are the Packers the number one team in the power rankings? I'd say so. Yeah, I I, I would too because we uh, it was actually funny this uh, last week on our show we had the exact same power rankings and we had we both had was it uh, Seahawks three yeah it was Seahawks three Packers two Chiefs one and then the Chiefs lost last week so I mean by that math it Packers kind of move right into it and they had Packers had a bye week so you know they couldn't really there was no argument to be made about any differences for them but this especially after like. The, some people said the Seahawks jumped the Packers to the number one there or already had them in front of the Packers. But the fact that they barely won that Vikings game makes it so I'm definitely having definitely putting the Packers at number one. So I'd agree. Yeah. Which I'm I'm loving. I'm I'm excited. This is awesome. We're playing against Tom Brady tomorrow. I'm super pumped. Especially for for the, the Bostonians listening listening, the I I don't know what people's thoughts are on Tom Brady anymore, but you I know, think if, they if, also love him. But if they don't, then feel free to jump on the Packers bandwagon, especially tomorrow. Packers are going to beat down on the Buccaneers. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. And that that's actually fun because it's uh, – I always check the coverage of which areas are getting which games every week. And I think because there's a couple games not going on – or a couple teams not playing because of COVID and, like, bye weeks, the, the Packers-Buccaneers game is at 425 on Fox tomorrow, and it's being broadcast nationally. Which usually for those after like usually the only nationally broadcast games are Sunday night football, Monday night, and Thursday night, but they're the only, they're basically the only game going on at that time, so they're being broadcast nationally. So no excuses not to turn in, tune in and watch Packer watch Aaron Rodgers dominate against Tom Brady in Tampa. <laughs> this has gotten really far from the original question of best undefeated team. I just get I just go off about my Packers sometimes, but we can switch it up. Yeah. Talk about someone else. And I guess kind of a fun game uh, this weekend is the Ravens and Eagles uh, because I believe it was the Eagles. Yeah, it was the year after the Eagles. I think it was the year. Yeah, it was the year after the Eagles won the Super Bowl, which meant they had the number 32 pick in the NFL draft. They traded it away to the Ravens. The Ravens used that pick to get Lamar Jackson. Lamar wins MVP last year. So. And we're looking at a quarterback comparison of Lamar or Wentz, and I'll I'll let you take this one first. But who do you make? Who do you think makes the bigger impact? The Eagles franchise guy Wentz, or the guy that they passed up on, which is Lamar Jackson? It's got to be Lamar Jackson. He's clearly the better player between Wentz and himself. Uh, that team runs through him. He runs the offense between running the ball and uh, passing the ball and kind of being a disguise for um, other players because the defense is always all focused on him. He hasn't had as good of a season as um, I guess some maybe some people were expecting. Or Yeah, he, no, like he, clearly he's regressed he's a little bit. not as good as he was last year, but he's still a um, top-ten quarterback in the league. Even though he hasn't played like that so far this year, he's better than Wentz, and he's going to have a big impact on Sunday. 
And I, I honestly still think that they are the best team in the AFC North. I know now that it's the Steelers that are, like, number one because they're 4-0 and the Ravens are 4-1. But I don't know. I still – Lamar hasn't had as great of a season. He's regressed a little bit. But I'm, I'm just kind of waiting. I'm waiting for him to, you know, find his mojo again and go off well, one of these games. he's regressed a lot, not a little. He, That's true. I mean, he QBR, was the MVP last QBR year. QBR-wise, yeah. last That's year fair. he was number one, and right now he's 12. Yep. That, that's fair. He's, he has regressed. He's on my fantasy team. Well, I have Rodgers and Lamar on my fantasy team. Had to sit Rodgers last week because of the bye week. So I put in Lamar. He scored 13 points for me. I'm like, Lamar last year was putting up like 30, 35 points every game in fantasy. And now 13 against the the Bengals? What the heck was that? I, and, and they won 27-3. to So I, I was so confused. I think they had a, a, the defense kind of went off that game for the Ravens. But... I mean, I was just shocked. They're playing the Bengals, and Lamar puts up 13 fantasy points. And so I, I guess I don't know his specific stats, but I, I think he maybe had one touchdown pass. I, I, I don't know. It, it was just shocking. And I'm, I'm disappointed, but I guess to the original question, I I do believe the, the Ravens are the better team against the Eagles, and Lamar is the better quarterback than Carson Wentz. So I do think he has a big bigger impact. I, I saw that the Ravens had a big spread. They're playing at Philly, which – doesn't make that much of a difference this year, but the Ravens were giving like nine and a half points, which I thought was a lot. It might be closer than that, but I don't know. Maybe this is the week Lamar, you know, kind of takes off a little bit. Either way, I'm, I think they'll, he'll have the bigger impact. Yeah, for sure. And another big uh, quarterback matchup that I'm excited to see will be the Steelers and the Browns, the other AFC North teams. And that's a big game. Browns are four and one. They've looked real. They've, it's it kind of seems like they're finally looking like that uh team that people thought were going to be in the Super Bowl once uh OBJ came, and they're playing the Steelers who are four and zero, oh. and that's that's kind of that's a fun quarterback matchup. Baker Mayfield versus Ben Roethlisberger. So who do you think needs to have a bigger game? I think uh, Ben Roethlisberger has to have a better game. Baker Mayfield has outplayed Roethlisberger so far this season. And uh, historically, Roethlisberger is a better quarterback, but he has not lived up to uh, his reputation at all this year so far. He's played as a below-average quarterback this year, but I'm a believer in Big Ben still, and I think that he's still um, an above-average quarterback in this league, and he has to come out and show it tomorrow if uh, they're going to be able to beat the Browns because the Browns have been looking dangerous. And I will say that there's um, a little bit of tension between those teams yeah. because I don't know if it was the last time they played. It, w- it was, yeah. It was the last time they played. was when um, there was the fight between Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph. <laughs> Mason Rudolph will not be playing tomorrow for the Steelers. Uh, it would be Big Ben at the helm, but I'm sure there's still some bad vibes and bad energy between those teams. And... Uh, Good look for it to maybe get a little chippy tomorrow, but I will say that the refs will probably be all over that considering the history between the teams and what happened last season. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, I'm actually – I'm taking the other side here. I think I think Baker Mayfield needs to have the bigger game, and that's because the Big Ben's going to be Big Ben. He, he, I, like, I think he's been regressing a little bit. I Like, I, he's not quite as good as he was when they made the Super Bowl, like, multiple times in a couple of years, but – He's still a good quarterback, but Baker has had so much flack 
uh, ever since he's been in the league because people expected big things and they expected, oh, Browns, you know, now they got OBJ, like they should be making the Super Bowl this year. And they haven't really done that. They haven't, you know, they didn't make the playoffs last year. Like they haven't looked that good. And now all of a sudden they're four and one. So I think this is a huge, like, like career defining game for him, like so far in his career. Like, I think it's huge for him because he's playing the veteran quarterback that has historically always dominated the division they're one game behind them for the division. If they win it, then they're in first place. So I think it's a huge game for him to for Baker to kind of prove himself as someone that's, you know, actually worthy of being the Browns franchise quarterback and, you know, kind of prove that he is the guy that's going to take them to more playoff success than, you know, the Browns have ever had. So I think it's, I just think it's a huge game for him to kind of show, to prove himself like the guard is shifting. Like Big Ben used to own this division now my team is 4 and 1. We're going to go into your house. We're going to beat you and prove that we are we're, we're the next big thing. We're capable of making it far into the playoffs and competing with with like the Ravens too. So I think Baker needs to have the bigger game cuz I think it's a more important game for his career so far. That's definitely a really fair point and I see where you're coming from and uh yeah, I don't really have any objections to that. We're just coming at it from different angles, that's mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and so we're at about 27 more minutes, and I guess where do you want to take it? Do you want to talk a little bit about who we think the best at each position has been so far this year? Yeah, sure. And okay. then I'd like to get into my uh, my little goat versus goat conversation. Okay. Yeah, for sure. So we're going to look at the quarterback, running back, and wide receiver positions in th- just Talk about who, who's been the best at each one so far. So, can you take it away? Quarterback, who's been the best? All right. I'm going to – quarterback, I have to go with Aaron Rodgers Thank has you. performed the best this season. Thank you. As I've already discussed on the show. <laughs> Running back, I'm going to go with Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara, so far this year, has had 135 yards per game from scrimmage, uh, which is absolutely unbelievable. He's been playing really great, really impressive. He's doing a lot of things for the Saints and is the scariest uh, weapon for the Saints so far this year in uh, Michael Thomas's absence. Now, for receiver, I'm going with a dark horse. It's a little bit of a crazy thing to say, but I'm going to say it. So far this year, the leader for, um, for yards per game for a receiver He's an un- comes from an unlikely source. Comes from Jamison Crowder of the New York Jets. Now wait, hear me out. I'm just going by what's happened so far this year. Uh-huh. I'm not saying Jamison Crowder is the best wide receiver in the league. He's clearly not. There's tons of people that are much better than him. But so far this year, from what I've seen, he has performed as the best wide receiver because he gets the most yards per game. He's 111.7 uh, yards per game. And the next highest is DeAndre Hopkins with with 105.6. So, yes, I'm going with Jamison Crowder. And I think it's even more impressive that he has performed this way because he's on the Jets with a bunch of scrubs throwing in the ball. That's, that's exactly why he has the most yards per game. Who the heck else are they going to pass the ball to? There's literally no one. For Sam and Sam Darnold, it's, like we've said, he's like, or like at least what I've said is he's an all right quarterback, and I think he's no, just he's on not a really, all right. He's bad. 
he's, he's, really show, he's shown signs of being really good. He's really bad. And so, who the heck else is he going to pass a ball to? Now, in like it's not like Le'Veon's really done anything. And I, I don't even know who else is a receiver on the team. I watched their Thursday night game against the Broncos a couple weeks ago. I literally had no idea the names of like any of the players. Like I knew Jameson Crowder, but you like you could flip your argument right on its head. If that you know Jameson Crowder's name, you don't know any of the other receivers' names. Because he's think good. Is, who do you think the defense is focused on then? And he still does it, and he has bad people passing the ball. I mean, but yeah, what are they double, triple teaming him every time? I, I doubt it. Like, especially if you're the basically the only person that's going to get the ball thrown to in the game. No, even even if guys are double covering you a lot of the game, you're still going to make something happen. So I no, I, I'm not backing down from it. So solely based off yards per game. Yes. That's that's ridiculous. I, that's, that's what's important. No, that's yes, especially on a t, and and this is actually something historically that's gone on between Kenny and I. I like to look a lot about how the team is doing as well when you're looking at a player's performance, and Kenny's more on just the stats. So I also take into account the fact that the Jets have been terrible, and so and yes, this isn't not Jameson. And no, no, this this is this is this specific conversation is about best at the position, but. So and for receiver, there's only so much you can do to lead a team, but still, you're on. He's on the Jets. He hasn't sure he leads yards per game. He's only only receiver on the team. So I'm not. He's not the best. He's not been the best receiver so far this season. That's that's ridiculous. I'm sorry. I okay. that, that I don't like that. But I'll give you my uh, my rankings for quarterback. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers and for Kenny, it's always whoever's leading QBR is the best quarterback and. Thankfully, it's Aaron Rodgers, um, so we can agree Aaron Rodgers has been the best so far this year. Uh, and Russell Wilson has had a great season. He actually leads right now in the odds to win MVP. Uh, it's, it's ridiculous. Russell Wilson won, Rodgers two, Mahomes three. And Russ has been really good. He's in first place in yards and touchdowns, but Rodgers, is, he's in first place in QBR, and I think that comes from the fact that he doesn't – He's been sacked a lot less. He hasn't thrown any interceptions. Um, so they're, they're both really good, I think. But, yeah, Rodgers does lead QBR. Rodgers, I think, edges him out a little bit. But they're, they're, they've been the top two guys so far this year. And, and Mahomes, is, he's, had a, he's been good, too. He just hasn't – I mean, the Chiefs were undefeated until this week. He's pro, I, I think he's number three. So I think the MVP odds, they have the right three at least. But, um, but yeah, Aaron Rodgers for quarterback. At the running back position, as I alluded to earlier, is – like if I'm an NFL owner, if there's a running back I want on my team, it is Derrick Henry. I and he's not, he's not in first place in any of the stats, and I honestly think that's mostly due to the fact, like a lot of it has to do with the fact that they have been out for a while. Like they just played their fourth game, uh, and he's even with that, he's third. He has the third most yards. His yards per carry hasn't been great. I think they've teams have been sending like their whole team to tackle him because that's what it takes, but. I mean, I think that that run he had the other night where he threw Josh Norman to the that side like awesome. a rag doll. I think that just that just goes to show. Like, I, if there's a running back I want on my team, it's Derrick Henry. He's been the best so far. And someone that doesn't get talked about enough, of course, as a Packers fan, I think this is Aaron Jones. He's a touchdown machine. He's been one of the best running backs as well. But I'm not going to give it to him. And yes, Alvin Kamara. That is a good choice too. He's been. He's made making some really good, really flashy plays for the Saints, who have struggled a little bit this year. But there's a lot of good running backs in the league. I just, I, if I'm picking a running back, it's got to be Derrick Henry. He's just too dominant. And then at wide receiver, 
it's tough because I I've always been a big DeAndre Hopkins fan, and he has I think he's leading in yards, uh, and he's he's kind of been fun with uh, Kyler over there on the Cardinals. But I'm going DK Metcalf. He has been Russell's favorite target this year. He's big. He's tall. He catches over people. He's fast. He has the third most uh, yards this season and second most touchdowns of any receiver. And like and kind of the team thing I was saying a little bit. He's on the Seahawks and he's. His performance has led them to being undefeated. I think that kind of comes into it a little bit. And he's also a guy I've had on my fantasy team. He puts up like mid-20s of numbers every week, which is really good for a receiver. Um, But no, he – like when I just watch this guy play, like Russell steps back, lets the guys get down the field a little bit. Like I know where the ball is going. It's it's gonna if they want a big play, it's gonna go to DK Metcalf because he can catch over people. He can make plays. He he's been really good this season. So I'm I'm going DK Metcalf, best receiver so far this season. So all right, I want to get into this. Okay. So we've been talking a lot about uh, LeBron earlier on in the show, and. The other guy that really comes up in terms of being, you know, in the GOAT conversation is Tom Brady. So the question is, who has dominated their sport more, LeBron James or Tom Brady? Yeah, that, that's that. It's a good question. I like that question, but I'm, I'm going LeBron James. Like it, yes, Tom has made a lot of Super Bowls, um, and has been dominant, but. I think we've actually had a conversation like I recall having a conversation somewhat similar to this, like maybe a year ago or something. And I remember talking about the fact that the NFL is just more of a team sport. And Tom's had a lot of good defenses around him too. Um, I don't know. Do you know how many MVP MVP titles he's had? I don't think he's had like maybe one or two. I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, so he's been really good and he's made multiple Super Bowls. But when I look at LeBron and the fact that he made like, 10 of the last 11 finals or whatever it was and he's he's won four mvps and I, like lebron just seems more of like like the goat like the most dominant of the league like because i mean he's made more finals than i think than tom's made super bowls and it, and it's just more of like an individual game in basketball like he's able to take over more and like whereas in football it is also a lot of like the team Whereas LeBron has been on teams like the Cavaliers, like in twenty seventeen or eighteen, whatever, when they weren't good and they still made the finals. Like the fact that he's able to do that without a team around him has been just more impressive to me. Yeah, I agree. It's got to be LeBron James. Uh, you know, he was to eight NBA Finals in a row, and you just have to look at, like you said, it being uh, less of a team sport than it is in the NFL. In the NFL, you really need the whole team to come together in order to win a Super Bowl or go far, be a good team. One player has very, um, not little, but it is much less impact on the outcome of the games as compared to the NBA. In the NBA, LeBron James, wherever you put him in the last, well, throughout his whole career, has made his team a, uh, a legitimate contender and you know, the same can't be said for any NFL player because it just doesn't work that way. They're First off, they're only playing half the time because they're either going to be on offense or on defense. And there's just all these different moving parts and all these different things that can happen in the game, and it's just less 
individual base and therefore it just has to be LeBron James. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree. I mean, basically the same argument. It's just more individual game in basketball. So, so yeah. Um, I want to get in. Could I get into? So I had some uh, listeners uh, message me some questions prior to the show, and I'd like to sure get into those. So, first question I got was: Are the NFL injuries correlated with no preseason? So. This year, a lot of people have been banged up, and uh, it's been seemingly a very large amount of injuries. And the question coming from my roommate, Thomas Gross, was, uh, you know, does this have to do with the fact that there was no preseason? What do you think, Isaiah? Yeah, no, I. it does seem like a lot of injuries this year, and I don't know the exact numbers compared to other seasons. I don't think so though. I like for well for one thing like some of the like a lot of the stars don't really play much in the preseason but like when you're looking at like everyday players the preseason is more important. They've still had they've still had their practices though and they still have done a lot of training. I I don't really think that the injuries are that correlated to the preseason. Maybe a little bit like maybe there'd be a couple less. I I don't know. I don't really think so. I think it's more just Kind of by chance, honestly, which I don't know, maybe that's a dumb argument, but I think no. I think it's kind of just by no, chance. I don't think it's, it's a, a dumb lot. argument. I mean, you look at like Dax injury, like I mean, that's just that's not off no preseason. That's just yeah, bad landing on a leg. So, yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I think it was just it's totally random what has happened so far. Um, you know, having no preseason games, they yes, they were not exposed to as much contact, but these are professional athletes. They've been playing the sport of football their entire lives. They know how to prepare during the off season, even if they're not getting in on these um you know, these preseason games. And for the most part, these uh you know, these top players are not really getting that many reps in preseason games anyway, in fear of them getting injured in the preseason games that exactly. don't even matter. And if um the coaches were fearful that their players weren't getting enough contact. They could have just simulated that in practice, and they could have had more contact in practice than they normally have, uh, you know, in a normal year uh, to compensate for the fact that they're not able to uh, have the preseason games. And therefore, yeah, I think it's just random. Mm-hmm. All right. Next question coming from Duran Horsey from New Jersey. The question is, what are the Jets good at? <laughs> I would say losing. <laughs> yeah, good at losing. my answer was uh, nothing, um, or actually at getting rid of their best players for right. no for nothing, <laughs> <laughs> giving away good players for free. Like they have a couple of good players. Like they're, they're, yeah, no, they're actually good at like being nice. They're being nice to everyone else by saying, "Hey, this is a good veteran running back. We're not going to charge you. Just take him free of charge." So I guess they're good at helping other teams. That's that's like that's they're friendly. Something. They're friendly, maybe. Um, but they're, yeah, losing is definitely they give a nice W to most people <laughs> that play them in, in their in their winner loss column. That's yeah, nice. yeah, like that game, kindness. That game against the uh, Broncos where neither team was winning. Like it was kind of close, but you know they ended up like you know Broncos. You guys haven't had a win yet, so right. we're gonna give it up. We'll we'll take like, it. Yeah, even though your quarterback is injured in, in your zero and four, go ahead, win this one. All right, so. Well, that's, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's not, it's nice to be nice. Yeah, I guess not so much in in football, but you know, it is what it is. You got to look at the, at the. <laughs> but 
right. the other side of things, I guess. But in, in all seriousness, though, I, I can't find a bright spot on the team. The offense is terrible. The defense is terrible. And the management, like, you want to at least say, oh, like, they're making good moves. They're not, they're not making any good moves. It's There's not a single bright – the head coach is terrible. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's just a complete mess. They're, they're 32nd in the league by far. Well, the Giants are kind of close, too. No, the Giants 31. are they're, Yeah, they're at, the Giants are 31. No, what about the Redskins? The, they're probably 30. They have a win. All right, well, wait. We're going to get into that. So another question was from my friend Brian – he asked, what is my betting lock for the week? And I'm going to go with the New York Giants money line over the Washington Redskins. I think the New York Giants have been Washington knocking on footballs. the door. Oh, I'm sorry. The Washington football team. My apologies. The footballs. The Washington football team. So, uh, yeah, I have to go with the Giants in this pick. They have been knocking at the door these last couple of weeks. It seems like every week they're going to win, but then they uh, mess up at the end and they can't figure it out. They've been losing by one possession very often, with the exception of the Steelers and the 49ers game. I mean, last week they lost on a last-second field goal to what we both believe to be the best team in the NFC East. Not that that's saying much in the uh, Dallas Cowboys. The week before... They lost by one possession to the Rams, who have been a uh, pretty decent team this season. They've been knocking at the door, knocking at the door. I think DJ is going to come through, and they're going to get a W, and that's my lock for the week. You know, let's just let's use that to segue. Let's right into our, our picks? picks for okay. the week, and then we can end off by just talking a couple minutes just about BC. Yeah, excitement. I also want to uh, – I have one other question about the uh, – Rutgers football squad okay. that we could get to after okay. our picks. Um, so, yeah, let's go through the picks. And I actually, I also did a lock. I, I, I saw you were doing a lock, so I did a betting lock as well. And it's actually the uh, first game that was listed, uh, that I have listed on here. It is the Titans against the Texans at home. Uh, I, the line I saw was minus two and a half for the Titans, and I think I saw also one that was minus three and a half. Either way, I'm taking the Titans on the spread there. The Texans are sitting at one and four. They just had their first win. Titans are coming off a very, very dominant uh, showing against the Bills. They're playing at home. I think they have some fans there, and they're only giving like around three points. I think that's a lock, Titans being the Texans at home. Okay. Who are you taking in that game? I'm taking the Titans as well. Okay. Uh, and then we got the Indianapolis Colts facing the Bengals at home. I have the Colts. Colts have uh, looked pretty impressive this year, and the Bengals have not. Yeah, again, I'm, I said it last week, I'm, I'm a fan of Joe Burrow, but just haven't seen the team actually come together much at all yet. So I'm taking the Colts as well. The Minnesota Vikings are hosting the Atlanta Falcons. The Go Vikings, they played a uh, really good team in the Seattle Seahawks, uh, really tight last week, and... The uh, Falcons have just looked really, really sad, and I'm going to go with the Vikings. Yeah, I, I'm in agreement there. They Again, they almost beat the, the Seahawks last week. And Falcons, I just feel bad. I just feel like they're a good team that just can't break out of their shell. I don't know what it is. They have good receivers, good They're uh, calling for Matt Ryan's job. I think that's very premature of a, of a thing yeah. to say. I think he's still top 10 quarterback in the league. Yeah, well, now they don't have a coach either. So, I mean, right. it's just a, a mess. So, yeah, I'm going Big Vikings. Mess. Uh, Patriots 
are possibly playing the Broncos tomorrow, maybe, hopefully. Uh, who are you taking that one here in uh, over there in Foxborough? I'm going with the Patriots in that matchup. Yeah, I am as well. But Drew Locke, I think, is supposed to be back tomorrow. Doesn't so. matter. He's, he's all right, but uh, yeah, the I'm Patriots going Patriots defense as well. held Patrick Mahomes to uh, six points and a half. I think they'll take care of Drew Locke. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so the Giants are hosting the Washington Footballs. You already uh, had your lock on the Giants winning. I was back and forth. I ended up picking the Washington Football Team oh, in that wow. game. Okay. Against your lock, I'm gonna unlock your lock here. No, I hate to do it. it. Can't I'm be sorry. Unlocked. You'll see. It can be and. I could honestly see Alex Smith coming in and having a game. So, I don't know. We'll see. But I'm taking the Washington football team. That was that was a tough one for me, especially after a pretty good game by the Giants uh, last week. But uh, Ravens are going to the Eagles. We go with the Ravens in that matchup. Yep. I think we talked about that earlier as well. Yep. Uh, I'm taking the Ravens. Uh, Steelers are hosting the Browns. Going with the Browns. I think uh, they've looked really great this year. That offense has been... Uh, Really strong, a lot of firepower there, and the Steelers haven't really uh, played too tough of a team yet. They are undefeated, but I think the the youth in Baker Mayfield and the Browns is going to come through and uh, and dethrone the uh, the Steelers this week. Yeah, uh, same here. I'm thinking Browns. They uh, I think it's Baker's time to shine. Uh, all right, Panthers are hosting the Bears. Go with the Panthers. Teddy Bridgewater's been playing well. They've looked very impressive so far, even in the absence of Christian McCaffrey. I feel like multiple weeks you've taken the Panthers, and I've been like, nope, they're not going to do it. And then they keep winning. But I'm going to do it again. I'm going to take the Bears on the road. The Bears just keep finding ways to win. Like, they look terrible, and then somehow they end up with, like, one more point than the other team. I don't don't get it, but I'm going to take the Bears. Uh, Jaguars are hosting the Lions. Going to the Lions, they've played a, a couple good teams tough this year, and the Jaguars are just not that good. Yep, same here. I'm taking the Lions. Uh, 49ers are hosting the Rams. That's a pretty good game. I mean, after last Would week, you... I, I can't pick the 49ers. Right. Game. They just got killed by Miami. I have to go with the Rams there. Yep, I'm going to take the Rams as well. The Jets hosting – no, the Dolphins are hosting the Jets. The Jets are traveling. Dolphins. <laughs> yep, I'm taking the Dolphins I already said well. I, I'm not picking the Jets all year, I don't think. Yep. Uh, Packers and Bucks in Tampa. Going Packers. Probably the best. I mean, I don't even think probably. It has to be the best game of the week. You've got Brady versus Rodgers. Two really high-powered offenses going at it. It's going to be a lot of gunsling going on. Yep. Probably pick the over for that game. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I'm going with the Packers, though, because they've just looked too good this year. Yep, me too. Um, The Bills are hosting the Chiefs. That's a good game on Monday night. That's a good game. They're both coming off of losses. It's a really... um, Really pivotal game for both of them to reassert themselves and get back in the winning column, but I think the Chiefs are going to be the one to do it. Yep, uh, I agree. And the uh, Cowboys are hosting the Cardinals also on Monday night. Uh, after the loss of Dak Prescott, you got to go with the Cardinals because they've looked pretty impressive this year with Kyler Murray playing well. Yep, and I agree there as well. I'm taking the Cardinals. Only two differences for us. That's That's not as... I mean, that's kind of kind. I feel like we usually have a couple more disagreements in picks there, but only two this week. Guess we'll see how it goes. Yeah, we will. Washington football team. (laughs) We'll see. Um, All right, so one last thing before we talk. We'll talk a little college for our last five minutes. I just want to answer one question from Max back home. He asks, uh, is there any chance that 
the Rutgers football has five wins this season in their eight game uh, season under their the return of Greg Schiano to Rutgers. And unfortunately, um, I have to say no to that, being that the last time they had a winning record in the Big Ten was 2014, six years ago. And last year, they're coming off of a 2-10 and season. And I just can't imagine that Greg Schiano would, that, would make that much of a difference and be able to put them in the winning column, let alone uh, three over five hundred. Yeah, I don't know much about Rutgers. I don't know what their schedule is looking like, but five wins in an eight-game season when you're in the Big Ten, I feel like if they want five wins, they're going to need some non-conference games in there, and that's not that's not it's not happening this on. year. So I don't see that at all. No. Big Ten's too good. All right, so last couple minutes we're going to talk about Boston College. Tonight, big game against number 23, I believe, uh, Virginia Tech. BC has been... Impressive this year. There's a lot of excitement about the team around campus. Everybody seems to really like what Jeff Halfley and uh, Jerkovich and Flowers have been doing for our team. They have played some really tight games, most notably against um, North Carolina, who is now number five in the country. I really they think really could have won that game. They really too. could have won that game, and now they're five in the country, which is honestly kind of surprising to me because we're unranked, but yet we really came close to playing with them. And I think Boston College is going to play Virginia Tech uh, tight tonight, and they do have a chance of winning. Yeah, they're they're getting thirteen points. I think like, that, that's almost like a lock taking BC on the spread there. I mean, they're getting thirteen. I'm sure they're on the road. I don't know what Virginia Tech's fan situation is, but they're getting 13. They're like, I think in the rankings, BC sitting at like 30th in terms of amount of votes, and Virginia Tech's 23. And Virginia Tech's played three games. Like, how are they giving that many points? And the, BC's 3-1, and one, Virginia Tech's 2-1. and one. I think BC has a decent chance of winning that game. I don't I don't understand where the 13-point spread is coming from. But, but yeah, I mean, they were a two-point conversion. Like, if they made that two-point conversion against North Carolina – they go to overtime. There's anything could happen in overtime. They're like they're that close to winning against a team that's number five in the country now, and that's their only loss. Sure, the game against Pitt last week was really close. Pitt was also was I think Pitt ranked. Was favored. Pitt was favored, and they were ranked the week before, and then they lost a one point game. So then they weren't ranked when they played us. But we brought them to overtime. Sure, the win was off of a missed extra point, but it, a win's a, a win. Wins a win. And so I think they're kind of getting disrespected here. I think. They have a decent chance of winning, and and that would be huge for BC. I mean, that's they're gonna that they have to be ranked if they win that. Oh game. yeah, if they win tonight, they're gonna get it on in the twenty five for sure. Has to, especially after, especially with the amount of points they're getting, and I, I, the voters need to see the people that vote on the rankings have to see like, wait, their only loss was to North Carolina, and that was barely. That was right. by two point. Well, I guess they returned yeah. two for four, but it was a four point loss to North Carolina, and that could have easily been one. So congratulations to. Uh, Coach Halfley and, and the team for bringing back uh, BC football to its glory that we got to see a glimpse of our freshman year. Last year was a tough year to watch at some points, and uh, you know, losing A.J. Dillon to the draft was sad for all of us because he was always our best player, and he really carried the team a lot. But uh, now it looks like some new guys are stepping up and uh, under the good leadership of Coach Halfley and 
good for them. Hopefully yeah. they can get a win tonight. I think they can. Um, I'm excited for it. I'm going to be watching 8 o'clock tonight. But thank you guys so much for listening the last two hours with us. It's been a real pleasure. And once again, this is WZBC 90.3 Newton. And this is the Extra Point with Kenny Tomkovich and Isaiah Mueller. We uh, go every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. on the AM link. And you guys can follow us on Twitter at the Extra Point BC. Again, at the Extra Point BC. We have all our updates on the show. Um, so, yeah, feel free to tune in Tuesday nights. All the information is there. And again, this is Isaiah Mueller. This is Kenny Tomkovich. Thanks a lot, guys. It's been fun. And have a great rest of the weekend and enjoy all the football. Thank you, guys. Goodbye.